no one would ever know I'm in the military unless they personally know me or unless I tell them. <laughs> I honestly think it's because it was probably let's No one would ever know I'm in the military unless they personally know me or unless I tell them. And I honestly think it's because it was one of the most uncomfortable transitions I had ever endured at such a young age. Mainly because at the time I enlisted, I was a newly found believer and everything that I felt I worked for was just no longer tangible once I joined. So just yesterday, um, I was watching this training my pastor sent me as I was traveling to work this morning and Holy Spirit just reminded me of what he said in the training the pastor said never stop smelling like sheep that's why you're called to shepherd I repeat never stop smelling like sheep that's why you're called to shepherd so in the military there are a plethora of people from different backgrounds all across the world literally and many non-believers or at least the ones I've encountered so I knew my purpose, I always knew purpose was something that I wanted to strive for, something that was always in the center of my mind, because I remember staying up when I was about like 13 or 14 and just wondering what my purpose is, what is my purpose? I was always curious about that one single question, and I never really cared about anything else. So anyway, once I joined the military and had many, many lonely days, I started seeking God, like fervently seeking after him. I knew that this wasn't the life that he wanted me to live, mainly because I had already experienced these same exact feelings before I even became a Christian, or I'm not going to say a Christian, yeah, because I can't even, okay, anyway, <laughs> mainly because I had already experienced these same feelings before I had a relationship with Christ, so I prayed, and then that's when he started revealing to me my character through scripture. So y'all already know, go ahead and pull out y'all little bobbles, honey, and flip on over to Matthew. We're going to go to Matthew 9, verses 12 through 13. So a little background before I read the scripture, when I said, um, when I said God started revealing to me my character, I was the Pharisees, which are mere, which are merely keepers of the law. He would label them, you could label them as holier than thou. So Jesus was among the earth and he was calling forth his disciples. But in this moment, he was calling Matthew and Matthew was a well-known tax collector. So it was Jesus, Matthew, and the other disciples. They were all at his house, Matthew's house, eating with amongst other tax collectors and people with disrupt, disreputable sins. And that can literally mean anything. So you can insert your own little testimony there. So, for example, I would insert lust, insecurity, and attention seeker. So when the Pharisees questioned, so then the Pharisees questioned Jesus's character saying, why does your teacher eat with such scum? Which takes me to the key verse of my podcast. 
verses 12 through 13, Jesus responds, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. Then he added, now go and learn the meaning of the scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. For I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. So I emphasize from that first verse, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. My friends and I do this weekly Bible study, not always a study, but something just to probe our thoughts about certain uh, topics. And the topic this past week was how can you prove God's existence to a non-believer? And honestly, I knew it was something that I was going to have to talk about on my podcast before the topic was provided. However, the question, the question that she asked engaged my mind deeper. I didn't quite know the route God wanted me to take with the topic. I, I wasn't sure where he was going to lead me to, but I surely didn't want to force it. So I just strategically, you know, you got to be intentional in some cases, but not forcing. So I intentionally set aside some time for this topic to be answered. And y'all, it literally took the whole day, but I'm going to reveal why it took the whole day. So there are many backgrounds, many different religious backgrounds, not including, or you could include agnostic and atheist. And my friends, they were sharing different topics and different websites about information they were looking up pertaining to that topic, to pertaining to that um, background, I guess you could say. And I'm not necessarily one to entertain certain conversations. So I tried to come from a different point of view. I first started thinking about different personalities of people and how one person may be introverted and the other may be extroverted. And I noticed how certain people do gauge in certain active or certain conversations with people on the street inquiring them about their faith. So I began listening to a well-known podcast, which is 30 Minutes with the Perrys, and it's hosted by Jackie Perry and Preston Hill Perry. I mean, oh, Jackie Hill Perry and Preston Perry. My bad, y'all. <laughs> and they actually dwelled on the introvert and extrovert point of view. So Preston, the husband, was more comfortable with approaching someone on the street versus his wife, Jackie. And me being the person I am, someone who is gentle at first, someone who is reserved at first would not be comfortable in that type of situation. Not saying that I couldn't handle it, but I simply just wouldn't prefer it. So I let that settle in my spirit for a few hours. And once the day had passed, I decided to watch the Red Table Talk with the guest speaker, Will Smith. No, I'm not talking about this little entanglement, honey. I'm talking about the Father's Day edition. <laughs> this is funny. <laughs> Woo! Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. That is funny. Okay. Now that I got that out of the way. So... <laughs> I had gotten through the entire video and it was the very last sentence of the episode where God just completely, wholly snatched my edges, honey. And I mean, baby, I promise you, I ain't never jumped up so quickly and not gotten a headache after. Never. So he said, Will Smith said, it's more art than science. <laughs> no, that's good. It's more art than science. 
And if you've forgotten my topic, let me just remind you. If I'm proving God's existence to a non-believer, let me reiterate. It's more art than science. You can try and recite scripture to help portray to an unbeliever who God is, but nine times out of ten, non-believers, agnostics, atheists included, have read the Bible and probably read it more than I have, if we're just being honest. They probably even grew up in church and, you know, they know about God. But due to my calling, due to the person that I am, I would have to create the imagery, which is the art component of it. So when we are born, the first noise you hear, you usually make is a cry. The new world you're entering is no longer dark, no longer warm, but cold and bright. And once you open your eyes, you see a blurry picture of your parents' faces. You feel the joy from your mother's warm embrace as she rubs your little cone-shaped head, shedding a tear, thinking about how the pain she had currently felt, she had just felt, isn't compared to the joy that she is now holding as she looks at you. Then a few days later, you're on your way home to your not-so-new home, but home, but your new home. As you grow up and experience many different things in life, from the first day of school to losing a friend, you know you can always come back to a welcoming home and just be comforted by your parents. But even if that situation is a little too ideal for my listeners, from the time you were born, your mother didn't even want to hold you and your father wasn't even present. You immediately felt this hard little box that kept you slightly warm, but the air hurt your tiny little lungs because it was artificial. The next thing you know, you're growing up in foster care, molested, misused, and abused. You've lost the desire to live several times, but you always remember those two little siblings that you deeply care for, and they look up to you. They know exactly what you're going through, what you're experiencing, because they're going through it too, and no matter what, and no matter what you go through, you know you can always find joy in them. And that's exactly how God works. Sometimes the road and pathway to him may be smooth sailing and nice. And sometimes the road to him can have several detours, bumps, and potholes. But no matter what, he is still there with us, granting us joy for our sorrow. So if I'm proving God's existence to a non-believer, I would first start there and just share my testimony. Because in Revelations 12, 9, for we are overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And the blood of the lamb probably won't mean anything to a non-believer until I confess everything that I've done and then explain to them how I walk in the freedom which is provided because of the blood of the lamb. My route to God wasn't the most ideal. I had always grown up in church, but I never understood the meaning of a true relationship with Christ. Yet something in me still desired to want to obtain that. And as I became older, I let many negative, many people have negative influences on my life. And instead of running to peace, it seems as though chaos became my best friend. My parents were getting divorced after 22 years. I'm getting in a relationship with a boy I had no business being in. I started clubbing, I started drinking, I started smoking. My life was just filled with greed and lust, and my insecurities became my next-door neighbor because my boyfriend at the time was very manipulative. It continued for about six months, and, you know, me and 
after we broke up we still hung on to that title of friends with benefits and until it was until one of my college friends took me to a church one Friday night and from then my life was changed I was reunited with one of my high school friends or someone that I had met in high school and I started attending a different church than the one I grew up in every day you could probably most likely find me in church and when it finally dawned on me God finally made it known to me that many nights that he had woken awakened oh excuse me that he had awakened me throughout the nights he was preparing the way for me the tears and the weeping that I was enduring was me longing to be in his presence so I am a 20 year old almost 21 hey, uh, hey I am a 20 <laughs> I am a 20 year old firm believer in Christ and he has given me just the precious gift of mercy showing I love to give hugs and forgiveness is my force that I had to reckon with that's gonna be another topic of how forgiveness came about oh thank you holy spirit yes so since i just said that as a private introvert i hope y'all still following me (laughs) as a private introvert it is easier for me to connect with people one-on-one by showing empathy which simply means i wasn't always a christian myself i was consumed with worldly desires and depression and anxiety settling but one day God welcomed me. He knocked on the door of my heart, and my heart burst into tears when I saw him standing there. Like the prodigal son, he ran to me. God ran to me with open arms and embraced me like a mother does to a child. He nurtured me and tended to my wounds. He welcomed me because I am his own. I am his daughter. He sacrificed himself just for me, a sinner, which takes me back to verse 13. For I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. So to any non-believer or anyone who desires a relationship with Christ, listen and listen hard to to this next point. The most common scripture that we are taught growing up in Sunday school is John 3.16. You can say it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And it simply means that God sent his, his son to die a criminal's death when he was nothing short of innocent, when he was nothing short of just, when he was nothing short of pure. And if you only accept him, I promise you, I guarantee you, you will walk away in the same authority and newness that he provides, that he is, which is freedom, which is victory and purity. You won't have to, you don't even have to have your life figured out, but simply all you need is a surrendered heart and every stain, every sin, And a sin is anything that you can say, anything that you can do, anything that you can even think that doesn't please God. So every stain, every sin, every insecurity, every disbelief, hurt, abuse, neglect, even your deepest, darkest secrets were nailed to the cross. Your shame was nailed to the cross. 
Proving God's existence isn't about the proof of the miracle signs and wonders, which is the science component of it, but proving his existence is knowing the art and the capacity of his character, which is love. For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave, which means freely and without cost. So just as freely as it is to give, it's just that easy to receive. So receive his love for you today. Walk in his love, and I promise you, you won't want to stop there. You'll share your testimony. You'll read his word for yourself, and then you will surely see what I mean about the blessings, miracles, and signs, because they are just an extension of the art of who he is, his love, and it's more art than science. So you guys just finished listening to my second podcast and I just wanted to go ahead and close it out in prayer. (laughs) Dear Lord, God, I thank you. I thank you for the person that just listened to this, God. I thank you that you open that you're opening up their heart, that you're opening up their minds and their spirits and allowing them just to hear from you in this moment. God, I thank you that you are restoring their heart. I thank you that you have given us the gift of reconciliation by the blood of the lamb, by Jesus when he died on the cross. I thank you, God, that we acknowledge that we are sinners, God, that we are unworthy of your grace, that we are unworthy of your love. But by his stripes, God, by his stripes, by the shame that was nailed to the cross, God, we are in right standing with you, God. We can come boldly before you, God. We can lay every stain, every shame, every secret every hurt every abuse at your feet God at the foot of the cross God and we can leave them there God we do not have to pick them back up God but we know that when we pick when we pick ourselves up from laying at your feet God will be made new God will be restored better than new God will be made refreshed God and we can Walk in our newfound authority of Christ, our newfound authority of who we are called to be, God. And I thank you right now for minds, for lives that are being transformed right now in the name of Jesus, Lord. And I thank you that everything that we are is in you, God. I thank you for your love. I thank you for Jesus. And I thank you for the blood that has made me as white as snow. (laughs) Oh, you're so worthy, God. You're worthy of everything that I am, and I thank you. So bless us, God. And if you just prayed this prayer, just receive his love for you today. And he will make you clean. He will make you clean. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. (laughs) Amen.